Greetings and welcome back to our weekly Book of the Year Shior. We took a little break for Pesach, and uh, now, unfortunately, we are still davening on our own and congregating and studying on our own, and so we're going to use this vehicle to continue our Shior. Uh, my name is Yitzchak Shalom, and we are now in Perak Tetvav of Sefer Breshit, continuing with the uh, scene that leads up to the famous Brit Ben Amitarim. Uh, today our focus is going to be on Psukim uh, Vav and Chet, really Vav and Chet, because we're going to have to go back to Zion uh, next week. Uh, and uh, these are, as I mentioned in an earlier shiur, these are very weighty Psukim uh, and uh, carry with them, um, in our case, what seems to be an internal contradiction between the Psukim and some terms that need to be clarified. And as we'll see from the many different Mepharshim and the way they weigh in, the difficulty here. Just the background is, what we saw in the last year, so Hashem speaks to Avram, when Avram said, I'm concerned that the one who's going to inherit from me is Eliezer, he says, this one won't inherit from you, rather the one that comes out from your loins, he will inherit from you. And then Hashem takes him outside, and yet last Shiur saw a lot of different approaches about what that means. Uh, was this in a vision? Was he actually taking outside? Was it really nighttime? And he said, count the stars. If you're able to count them, we talked about the significance of the stars as a mashal, as a parable for uh, enumeration, enumerability. And and he said, that's how many kids you will have. And this is the piece where we pick up. Vehemin Badunai. So we generally uh, assume that what the, what Hamin means, he trusted or he believed. All right, that's we'll work with that. He believed in Hashem, he being Avram. And these unidentified pronouns become the problem. He considered it low to him as tzedaka. Who's considering it? Who's him? Who's tzedaka? What's the tzedaka here? That's part of the difficulty. Now we're going to continue, and you can see in the translation it's taken one particular position. Um, but uh, even the capitalization of the word him, all right, that he reckoned it to him seems to indicate that Avraham considers it from God's perspective to be tzedakah. That is one position among the Mepharshim. That's the problem with translating is that you always have to take a position in something that may be uh, multivocal or at least equivocal. Uh, okay, and now, and this is the Pasuk we'll get to in the next year. I am Hashem who took you out of Ur Kastim. Um, and just briefly, just as a, a hint towards uh, next year, is this seems to be the source for the entire Agadic development of Avram and the furnace. Um, I took you out of the fire of Kastim or the land of Ur Kastim to give you this land to inherit it. And now, Vayomar, and Avram sends back, says back, Adonai Elohim, and this is the second time that Avram's used that word Adonai. A couple of weeks ago, we spoke about the use of that word, first time it shows up anywhere in Tanakh, earlier in this parak. Now, what does that mean, Does it mean, how will I know that I'm going to inherit it? Through what vehicle will I know I'm going to inherit it? What does that mean? Uh, taken at face value, there seem to be a con- seems to be a contradiction because in Pasuk Vav, Avraham is believing God. And in Pasuk Chet, he seems to be challenging God and asking either for a sign or for some security 
that indeed this promise is going to come true. So that's what we have to sort of deal with. Before going further, I just wanted to highlight three relatively um, unrelated psukim, uh, all of them unrelated to our story, but that may shed some light, at least linguistically, on our phrase. The first one it comes from the very end of Breshit. The very end of Breshit, after Yaakov is buried and the brothers come back, the brothers are now afraid that Yosef, now that Yaakov is dead, that Yosef is going to take vengeance on them for the way that they treated him. And Yosef comforts them and says, don't worry, um, you intended what you intended, but God's intent here was something else. In other words, the way Yosef mollifies his brothers is to indicate that they were all sort of pawns in God's play, and therefore he's not going to hold it against them. Whether that's the way it should be understood or not is its own issue. Uh, and and, uh, and part of what he says is, chashavtem alai ra'ah. This goes to the phrase, Elohim chashavtem alai ra'ah. You thought it or planned it as an evil towards me, but Elohim chashavah letovah. God considered it as a good thing. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that God thought, oh yeah, selling your brother is a good thing, throwing your brother in a pit is a good thing? Or does it mean that God took this opportunity and turned it into something positive? So chashavah here might not mean considered it, but it may mean shifted it and changed its meaning into something positive. That's first of all. Um, second of all is from a legal text in, uh, in Parshat Kitetze, I will see the whole thing. Whenever you uh, are uh, dunning a fellow for money, he owes you money. Don't come into his house to take a pledge. In other words, somebody owes you money, and he's not paying you, and he now you can demand a pledge. You can't come into his house and take it. Rather, stand outside the house. Stand outside, and the person who you are dunning, your debtor, will bring the avot, the pledge, outside. Let's see he's a poor man. You cannot sleep in his uh, in his pledge, meaning if you take night clothes or something he needs at night, you can't keep it overnight. Rather, return the pledge when the sun goes down. In other words, you're taking his bedclothes. So return the bedclothes at night, he'll sleep in his bedclothes, and he'll bless you for being a considerate enough guy that you return it to him every night, and then the next morning you take it back and you hold it, and again, until he pays his debt. And then, Now this is the word tzedakah that we have in our phrase. You will be, that will be considered tzedakah for you before Hashem, that act of returning the, the pledge every evening. Okay, and now we see the two of them come together in one other place in Tanakh, and that is in one of the historiographic chapters of Tehillim, which is Tehillim Kuf Vav. We have a number of long historiographic chapters that go through pieces of, of Israelite history, most of them dealing with Yitzhak Mitzrayim in some function or another. And this one, which does and speaks really about the wilderness narratives, talks about, at this particular point, about the uh, worship of Peor and the fact that we were under threat of annihilation from God for our, um, for our violating the Brit and worshiping Baal Peor, and then Pinchas's role. 
They connected themselves to Balpaor by and they ate offerings of literally offerings of the dead. What it means is They angered God with their deeds, and a plague broke out against them. Pinchas stood up and acted with judgment, as we know the story of Pinchas, and the Magifa was stopped. And what does that mean? It was considered to him, and him here being clearly being Pinchas, as an act of tzedakah. And so here we have again the idea of but here it's vatecha shevlo in the in the passive. It was considered for him to be an act of staka, which means here a human being does something, and this something is an upright act, which is perhaps an act of defiance or perhaps an act that takes a lot of courage to do, and it is considered to be an act that is, is regarded on his behalf as an act of staka. Okay, those are the main psukim that we want to look at in regards to. Our first very short pasuk, and now let's take a little bit of a survey through the Rishonim and see uh, how they work, and a couple comments about these Rishonim as we come along, uh, and really that's what we're going to do in this viewer, is just see how they cope with these different psukim, and you'll, know, you'll see that they invoke some of the psukim that we brought as ancillary texts. Rashi, we always start with Rashi. Rashi says, Vehemin Bahashem, meaning, Lo sha'alo ot alzot. Rashi says that God, did, that Avram did not ask of a sign from God. In other words, his belief in God was demonstrated by the fact that he didn't ask a sign. God said it, and that was good enough for him. So how does Rashi um, um, reconcile the seeming contradiction between Pasuk Vav and Pasuk Chet? He said that the idea that he was going to have children, he didn't ask a sign. But when God said, I'm going to give you the land, then he asked for a sign. So, of course, the question is, why didn't Avram just trust God about the land like he trusted God about the about the children? Right? So now, continuing with Rashi, So, means Hashem considered it for him, to be tzedakah, Hashem considered to be an act of tzedakah for the fact that Avram trusted him. And then another way that Rashi deals with the contradiction was, and here Rashi seems to be sensitive to the problem we raised, that, Hashem, that Avram was not asking for a sign to prove that he was going to get the land because he trusts him about this, trusts him about that. So, as I said when I read the Pasuk, may not mean prove to me that I'm going to get it, give me a sign, but rather through what vehicle am I going to get the land? And that's why the continued process that happens in our parak that leads to the Brit Benavatarim starts with Avram taking three, three mammals and two birds, which are typified, typifying the animals of the korbanot and the whole process that looks like a korban. Uh, and she says, that's the hint, that's chuta korbanot. Okay, that's how Rashi deals with the problem. And according to Rashi, at no point did Avraham doubt God, and Avraham, and it was, and God considered it tzedakah, and Avraham's part that he had such full faith. All right, let's take a look at Mahari Kara. So just one note about Mahari Kara. Yosef Kara was a slightly younger colleague of Rashi, 
uh, who, um, his name was Rabbi Yosef from Shimon. He was called Rabbi Yosef Kara because he was actually the Tanakh teacher, believe it or not, in Rashi's Beit Midrash and um, learned much with Rashi. Um, Mahari Kara wrote a commentary on, on much of Tanakh, but we don't have his commentary on Chumash, and most of what we have is either from one particular manuscript or it is from sort of uh, revived from the way he's quoted in other Sfarim, and that's what we seem to have here. Um, and this is the Marikar actually on Dvarim that we do have uh, on the Pasuk we said about the pledge. It says, So you could ask, why would this poor debtor's blessing be considered a tzedakah for you? Don't say that. Don't take his bracha so lightly. Meaning that means Hashem will consider this at staka, the fact that this poor man blessed you for what you did. It's a beautiful message. Meaning, is not what Rashi said, which is that Hashem considered it tzedakah, um, that Avraham trusted him, but rather Avraham considered it a tzedakah, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised to give his children the land. In other words, the means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to consider it a tzedakah, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to confirm the blessing of this poor guy, this is after the conquest of Yericho, when Yeshua issues the oath that nobody should rebuild it. And in Malachim, and uh, Yeshua Vav, but also in Malachim Aleph, at the end of Perak Tetzayin, when Chiel ben Ha'eli builds that city, and his children die while he's building the city, and it says, But God never told Yeshua to say those words. So the whole notion is, that Yoshua said it, and God confirmed it. Bechain, here he says an important rule. Don't think that tzedakah is the way that we use it in our language of giving money, a gift, alms. But rather, it's an act of righteousness and justice. And so now you look back, and you say, what is it that he's saying in the case of the debtor and the, and the claimant? He says that this will be considered a just act on your part, and the fact that the poor man blesses you, God will also confirm it as an act of justice. And now rolling back, Avraham trusts God, and Avraham considers it now to be an act of justice and, and propriety that Hashem is giving him the land. Very different than Rashi. This takes us, and I presented these Mepharshim in order, and the Farshim that we're looking at, with one exception, are from northern France, um, or two exceptions are from northern France. The third Mepharshish that we're looking at famously is the Rashbam. The Rashbam, of course, is Rashi's grandson. And as you can see in the parentheses, there's Rashbam HaMeshuchzar. And what uh, our friend uh, Hillel Levetsky has done in his site, Al HaTorah, is part of a larger job that people are involved with now, is to try to revive or save the Rashbam. The Rashbam, unfortunately, is not available to us directly on anything from Bereshit Gimel through Bereshit Yudzayin, which means our parak doesn't exist. However, 
there is a uh, one Ketaviyad from Munich, one manuscript from Munich that has been uh, identified as including numerous commentaries of uh, the uh, 12th century French commentators. And so from there, we've been able to call things that we, see, we think may be the Rashbam's comments. Uh, also, they are quoted by other later authorities. And so to get put together, that's what, that's what the project that's being undertaken now um, to, to sort of rescue some of these uh, commentaries from the oblivion that they've been in for many hundreds of years. And so the Rashbam on our Pasuk, according to this, says, Piresh Avram Hamin Bashem, Mimash Biserlo, Vamarshielo Zera. Avram trusted God when God said that you're going to have kids. That's like Rashi. And this now goes like Mahari Kara, that it's Avram considering it's Taka on Hashem's part that he's giving it to him. Uh, um, uh, he takes the opposite position of Mahari Kara, who says does not mean justice, but rather an act of charity. He says, so what it means is that Avraham considered that what Hashem's promise to give him the land was an act of tzedakah, which is critical because now it means that it's dependent on God's compassion and it's not an act of justice. And we'll see in the Ramban later how that gets dealt with. That's the Rashbam. Now, Rabbi Yosef Bechor Shor, uh, another one of the Rishonim who for hundreds of years had really been almost ignored, and who now is uh, achieving new, po- new popularity, uh, who was a student of Rabbeinu Tam. So this is now the next generation in Rashi's Beit Midrash. says, Now he's taking a position like Rashi, that Avram considered it on HaKadosh Baruch Hu's site. Sorry, taking a position like the Rashbam. Avram considered it on HaKadosh Baruch Hu's part to be at Tzedakah. That he did staka with him in promising him, and he doesn't define what staka is, what it means, charity, like the Rashbam, or justice, like Mahari Kara. And we'll see in the Ramban why that makes a big difference. But he considered it staka on HaKadosh Baruch Hu's part that he promised him that his own kids would inherit the land. Some people consider it, and this is Rashi, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu considered it Tzakan Avram's part that he trusted him. Ve'ein nir ali. So you see that everybody coming out of the Beit Midrash of Rashi rejects Rashi's own comment and says that it is not that HaKadosh Baruch Hu considered it an act of Tzakan Avram's part to trust him, but rather that Avram considered it Tzakan uh, on HaKadosh Baruch Hu's part to give him the land for one of two reasons. And watch what his argument is. He said, for, for Avram to trust God is a no-brainer. This is the trustworthy God. God says something. There's no big deal in trusting him. So to, for Hashem to say, well, that's big staka that Avram trusted me, there's no big thing there. And therefore he says it must mean that it was Avram who considered it an act of staka on a Kodesh Baruch Hu's part. Okay, now we get to the Ramban. So the Ramban who was a good hundred years later and in Spain, uh, so Piresh Rashi, and he takes the same position as, as the Bukhor Shor. I don't think he was familiar with the Bukhor Shor's commentary. Why would he not trust the trustworthy God? Avram himself is an Avi. And God is not one who is a person who 
changes his mind. This is in the story of Shmuel and, and Shaul and Amalek. If he's willing to trust God and take his own son and almost slaughter him at the Akedah, then certainly he would trust him when God gives him good news. So the Ramban rejects Rashi also. Okay. So he takes a position like the other Rishonim against Rashi, that it's Avram considering it an act of staka on God's part, that he will give him children. But but he now finds a fine point. Not that it's staka, meaning that it's my schut, that I'm a good guy, Avram, and therefore I'm going to get the land. Rather, even though Hashem said to him, you have a great reward. And therefore, he said, he considered it an act of tzedek, and this is like Maharikara, on HaKadosh Baruch Hu's part, and therefore, now he doesn't have to worry that if his own or his children's spiritual status falls, that they will not get this gift, that this gift now is a firm, hard gift, not dependent on their on their position. So in the first prophecy, in a few psukim earlier, he thought, this is only dependent on how good I am. But now that he promised him that he'll give him children, this is a true thing that God is going to give. It's not going to change. It's God's staka. It's never going to stop. Once God makes an oath, it is staka. And he picks up on the word staka. And katashem now becomes something that is not dependent on the individual recipient's moral or religious status, but it is firm and unconditional. And then, therefore, Abraham now gets to the position where he doesn't have to worry that if his children are not worthy, they won't get the land. Oyomar, so the Ramban offers another possibility. He'd have kids who will inherit from him in any case. And now he pulls a middle area between Rashi and everybody else. He says, yes, it wasn't Hashem, it wasn't Avram considering it staka from Hashem, which is what everybody but Rashi thought. It was Hashem considering it staka on Avram's part, but not the way Rashi presented it, because of the Ramban's problem, why wouldn't Avram trust God? But rather, that a Kodesh Baruch who considered this haftacha to be staka, right, like we saw with Yosef. God considered it the Torah, meaning, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu then fixed that this act of Pinchas's, this act now of Avraham's, of trusting him, now becomes a tzedaka, a perennial tzedaka. That God will keep his tzedek with Avraham because of that. So one way or the other, the Ramban sees the metamorphosis of the relationship between Avram and Hashem at this point as being one of going from perhaps a conditional gift to an unconditional gift. We now move, although we're going to go back, we now move to 19th century Germany. Rabbi David Zvi Hoffman, I've spoken about a number of times in the Shi'ur, 
has the following comments, very illuminating. Even though this promise to Avram seems very strange, he was an old man, his wife hasn't had kids, he, nonetheless, he will inherit, merit to have all these kids, as numerous as the stars. So he believed God. To believe in means to trust in some, someone. Any important difference to trust that is is to relate to the words with trust. So vehemin Bashem means to have trust in that person, or in this case, in God. And the David Hoffman also points us to that pasuk about Pinchas, about that it's considered to be tzaka. So tzaka, what's that? To have the proper thought and action before God. And he takes Rashi's position. He says, means God considered it to be that Avram had such tremendous faith in Hashem. Okay, and we go now back to 12th century France, and Mahari uh, and, and uh, Rabbi Yosef Bechor in his commentary on the next Pasuk, that we saw as possibly a contradiction, we saw that Rashi addressed it in two ways. The first way was to say, um, that Avram was not asking for proof, but rather he was asking for uh, he was asking for what's the vehicle? That's the second way, the vehicle through which they'll get the land. And the other was that he trusted God about the children, but not about the land, which we saw was kind of difficult. So the Bechor Shor says as follows: Ain lo mar ot So we can't say that he was asking God for a sign. Shikvar hamin. The question we asked on the first comment of Rashi. He said, also, what kind of sign was there here? There's no sign. In other words, Hashem says, I'm giving you kids, and Hashem says, I'm giving you the land. So where's the sign? He takes this position. I know I'm going to inherit the land. So this is now a third take. We saw means, give me a sign that I'll inherit the land, the first Rashi. Meaning, through what vehicle will I inherit? The second comment of Rashi. And here's a third comment, which is, at what time and in what generation? And how much of the land will I get? Meaning, I'm asking not how do I know or through what vehicle, but rather give me details about this gift. Now this just briefly is a shear that we did a number of years ago uh, in uh, Perak uh, Chaf uh, of, uh, of Malachim Aleph in the first of the two wars of Achav against Aram that we hear about. And Achav is concerned to be severely outnumbered and the Navi comes and says, don't worry, you're going to beat them. And Achav says, Bimi, meaning which soldiers is who are going to do it. He's not asking, is it going to happen? He's saying, how? Through whom and through and when and through what vehicle is this Yerusha going to happen? And so Ma takes us a little bit back to Rashi's second comment that, the, that what Avram's asking for is what's the vehicle through which we're going to get the land. Uh, and but also it is um, referring to an issue. Give me some more details of the timing, etc. 
So what we've seen over the last half hour is we saw these, and there's much, much more to say about these psukim, but we're going to posit it here, uh, is these two psukim that seem to run against each other, where Avram shows tr- tremendous faith in God and believing about having kids, and Vayachshavelot Tzedakah is a, is a difficult problem, uh, full of knots about what the Tzedakah is, who's Vayachshavah, who's the low, what does Tzedakah mean, and we saw numerous opinions there. Today we did a little bit of a uh, survey of Chachmei Tzorfat, of the of the northern French commentators of the 11th and 12th centuries. And after Hashem said the Pasuk that's going to be the focal point of next week's Shi'ur, um, then Avraham uh, then said, How do I know that I'm going to indeed inherit the land? This, by the way, is the instance of Adonai written out that Chazal comment on and say, nobody ever called Hashem that until this point. And they point to this one in spite of the fact that a few Pasukim earlier had said it already in Pasuk Bet. Um, and then what we saw was several psukim in which both the issue of chashava, what that means, to consider it or to turn it into or to change what kind of the way it, it plays out, also the issue of tzedakah as it plays out between people and the issue of the creditor and the debtor, and then we saw it, uh, we saw that exact phrase, in the story of Pinchas, and all of these are psukim that were invoked by the Rishonim that we saw in order to help explain our pasuk. We saw Rashi, who took two different approaches to the seeming contradiction. One was that Avraham had not requested, uh, uh, had requested proof, not about the children that he believed, but about the land. We asked why that would be. Uh, and then the other Shonin kind of hopped on that. Once Hashem, uh, Avraham trusts Hashem about the kids, why about the land? And the second one was that he was asking him for a sign of the vehicle. What's the vehicle through which I'm going to inherit the land? Then we saw that Mahari Kara, Rashbam, and, and the Bechor Shor all took the position that um, that it was uh, uh, that it was Avraham considering it to be Tzedakah on Hashem's part, and two different ways that that was understood, either Tzedakah really in the sense of charity or in the sense of Tzedek. And the Ramban then took that a little further and said, because it became an issue of Tzedek, therefore it was no longer dependent on B'nai Yisrael's and Avraham's children's schut. One thing that, that I want to take a look at before finishing is the Radak, Rab David Kimchi, who is uh, in the next generation in France, um, but they, it's a family that migrated from Spain and up into to Provence, uh, has a, a different comment here. Vamin Bashem, and we're going to conclude with this. Bashem. Avram always trusted God. That Avraham knew that he was, God told him, you're going to have a great nation, but he wasn't sure how that was going to play out. And now that Hashem showed him these signs of the stars, and he identified as coming from himself and negating an outsider as being his heir, then he had full faith. So it wasn't as if he suddenly became a believer, but it was these signs that kind of pushed him to the next level. And that Hashem considered to be tzedakah on Avram's part. This is the Rashi's take on it. That Avraham and his wife are getting old, and this promise hasn't come true yet. They haven't had a kid yet. And nonetheless, they trusted, he trusted, therefore, it really is considered tzedakah. And this sort of responds to the Bechor Shor's comment, which is, Kimilo Yamin by Elhan Eman, who wouldn't trust God? Well, the answer is, we're human. 
And it's, uh, it's very difficult when you've been married this long and have had no kids and you're well past the age and God says you're going to have your own kids will come from you and they will inherit from you. So Avram's belief is considered to be tzedakah. As promised, next week we're going to take a look at Pasuk Zion, which is uh, very big. Uh, and, um, and then afterwards we're going to go to Brit Ben Abatarim itself. Okay, everybody should have a great Shabbat, and hopefully Mir Tashem soon will be able to gather together in our beautiful Shul in Young Israel Century City and be able to study Tanakh in, uh, in a, as a unified community. In the meantime, we will utilize this podcast as a way of learning together. Shabbat Shalom.